Amen. And it's great to see you today. Happy Easter. Always good to gather, but especially as we celebrate the resurrection. You know, every one of us has to look at the Easter story and decide what we make of it. Um, We read together there in Matthew 28 the narrative of the Easter story of Jesus rising from the dead. But people have different opinions, and there are people who would listen to what you, ju- what you read, and they would go, it's just mythology. That's just a pretend story. It's like an Easter bunny that, that uh, you know, has chocolate eggs. The story of Jesus rising from the dead is just a myth. Um, and I've heard plenty of people say that. Um, the thing is, if you say that, for one thing, you really don't know much about mythology. Because by nature, in order for a myth to be interesting, it has to be ridiculously over the top. Myths, historically, were never, they didn't sound like something that somebody might actually believe it was real. The Greeks were amazing with their mythology and And today, they don't teach you about it much in school because their mythology really wasn't politically correct. And besides that, we need more time to devote to sociology, so we ignore, you know, literature. But, um, you know, for instance, in in Greek mythology, there was a god named Cronus. And he was afraid that one of his kids would conquer him. And so every time his wife had a little boy... He would swallow it. And then, sorry, I know this is shocking for some of you, but, um, and then he swallowed like five of them, and then Zeus was born. And the mom really wanted to protect Zeus, so she served Cronus a rock in a baby blanket, and he swallowed that instead. So then, Zeus grows up, he gives his dad some poison, Cronus throws up, all the boys... From the, who had been swallowed, all joined together to conquer Kronos, and that's how Zeus became the king of the world. Well, then Zeus was a little nervous because his wife was going to have a baby, and so rather than swallowing the babies, he swallowed his wife. But she was already pregnant with Athena, and Athena was so mighty inside her dad, Zeus, she just erupted through his head and then conquered him and she became the king. Now, don't think that the Greek people, boy, were they stupid to believe stuff like that. They understood this is mythology. None of them actually believed that something like that happened. But they told those stories because of the beautiful lessons about how power corrupts, about how families need to stay together, they'll destroy each other and all that. That that was what mythology was all about. So the story of Jesus rising from the dead, it doesn't sound like something like that at all. The very fact that somebody might believe it would make you at least ask, but every one of us has to decide, what do I do with the resurrection story? It's Easter. How do, how do I make sense out of this story that Jesus rose from the dead? And so I want to take you to back to the Gospel of Matthew. And the passage that you read responsively this morning was chapter 28 from verse 1. Back up a little bit into chapter 27. And we're going to begin reading in verse 62 of Matthew's Gospel, chapter 27. 
After Jesus had been killed, it says, on the next day, which followed the day of preparation. Now, remember their days started at sunset. So they didn't wait a whole day for this to happen. Jesus, they, he was killed. And then when the sun went down, you know, and therefore, you know, it being the next day, technically, the chief priests and Pharisees gathered together to Pilate. So you have the Jewish religious authorities and you have the Roman government authority together saying, Sir, we remember when Jesus was still alive, how that deceiver said, After three days I will rise. Therefore, command that the tomb be made secure until the third day, lest his disciples come by night and steal him away and say to the people, He has risen from the dead. So the last deception will be worse than the first. Pilate said to them, okay, here, you've got a guard. Take these guards, go your way, make it as secure as you know how. So they went and made the tomb secure, sealed the stone, which would mean that they looked in there and knew he was there at that point, sealed the stone and set a guard. That's an interesting story. Now, Does it sound like a story that was made up for some great purpose? The fact is, this story completely accurately reflects the reality of the situation that it's describing. Because the idea that somebody could even fake Jesus rising from the dead would be just, it would be a catastrophe to the Jewish leaders. Their strength their influence was deteriorating because of the spread of the teachings of Jesus, which kind of made them look like they were old school, and now here's a smarter way to look at the law. So they knew their position was threatened by Jesus. The Romans understood too. They had a really frail grasp on their power in the Middle East right there. See, the Romans really... By them taking, you know, all of Israel, it was a big tactical mistake on their part. It ended up creating huge problems for them. Because just below Israel is Egypt. Egypt was a country that the Romans wouldn't be able to conquer completely, and they understood that. So then they take a country that's right on the border. So anything that would disrupt Israel would disrupt the Romans. Anything that would disrupt Judaism as they knew it would threaten these Jewish authorities. So the story makes sense from a standpoint of the Jewish religious leaders and the Roman political leaders would certainly be scared to death that once this guy Jesus was dead, what if people still thought he was alive? And so the idea that they might decide to, let's just make sure that nobody fakes a resurrection It makes sense. So there isn't some great lesson from it. It isn't a great story at all. It's something that would fit the circumstances of the times for sure. So we look at that first of all. It doesn't sound like mythology. And not at all. It sounds like somebody's explaining exactly what had happened. Now you can reserve judgment on whether you think this actually happened or not. We'll talk about that in a moment. The fact is, this sounds more like story 
of real of something that somebody said happened rather than some fantastical myth. This is not an Easter bunny, you know, uh, dumping out chocolate eggs. It's like strategy. Now, you also have to ask yourself, okay, so is it true, could it be true that somehow, um, well, maybe the Jews faked this. Maybe the Jews, like if you're holding them accountable, if you're looking at this story and going, okay, wait, let's look at this critically. Let's consider this logically. So what motivation would the disciples have to make up a story like this? Because it's written in one of the disciples' gospels, Matthew. So could the disciples come up with an idea of promoting a fake resurrection? And you have to ask yourself, what in the world would they have to gain from a fake resurrection? It's not like if we can just keep this whole Jesus mythology going, someday, Matthew, you can write a book and you're going to sell a million copies and you're going to be famous. No, you're going to be killed. Besides that, how in the world could the disciples who lived up in Galilee come down to Jerusalem, you know, concoct a story like this, it would never get refuted by anyone, and then somehow, if they could steal the body of Jesus, for one thing, they, you know, they were all gone. But if they could steal his body, how are they going to hustle it out of Jerusalem, sneak it all the way up the country, back to where they lived? You can't even imagine something like this would be possible. In fact, it's way more mythological, the idea that the disciples are faking this thing, than that it actually happened the way that it said. So when you look at the disciples, you're hard-pressed to find a motivation. All they ever got out of you know, believing in Jesus was they would all be killed for it. Oh, I believe in the resurrection? Boom, you're dead. So why would they do this? But also, you know, how would a story like, you go, well, the story, sure, Maybe this never happened. Maybe the soldiers, maybe they didn't set a guard. Maybe this was something that nobody ever did talk to Pilate. Maybe the Jewish leaders didn't do anything. Well, think about this. This story was there from the beginning. Now, don't you think that if the, if, if the disciples had sort of made up this whole story about, about the Jewish leaders meeting with the political leaders and them setting a guard... Don't you think somebody would have come forward and gone, no, no way. I'm a gardener in that garden. There were no guards. It could have destroyed the whole deal. Somebody would have talked. You know, you, I, I, I used to never believe in conspiracies because I just think you can't get enough people together. But I've seen enough conspiracies in the last, you know, couple of decades that I realize there are some conspiracies that actually work. But you have to ask yourself, Why? What's the point of it? And the truth is that for the Jewish leaders and political leaders, they were all in trouble. Pretty soon, Israel is going to be overrun. The Jewish leaders are out of business completely. Jews are scattered all over the world. So everything's hanging on them holding this stuff together. So you don't think they could have crushed this story right away if it was fake? The Romans, whose, whose empire was 
beginning to deteriorate. The Romans, who ultimately the only way their empire was saved was by their, the emperor Constantine becoming a fake Christian in order to say, yeah, 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 I believe in Christianity too. Christianity was disrupting everything that they held dear, everything that they had personal interest in. That's happening. And you think they couldn't stop a story like this from making it into a book and nobody's disproven it? But the truth is, this story also makes it virtually impossible to believe some of the phony ideas that people have nowadays as to how to explain the resurrection. Because a guy comes back from the dead after three days, that's hard to explain. That's hard. It's hard to go, okay, here's what probably happened. So there are some people who, just like this text indicates, there, were people, there are people today who would say, come on, it was a scam. The disciples came and got the body and took off with it and started this whole story of the resurrection. Again, what would be the motive of the disciples to do that? They're not thinking, man, if I, we're going to build a big church and collect a bunch of money, we're all going to be famous. Yeah, this is, No, they will all be killed for this story. And so how in the world could they have anything to gain by it and to believe that they snuck the body out? And again, what did they do with it? Where is it? The Romans and the Jews would have everything to gain by finding that body. If it was to be found, they would have found it. This story makes it just ridiculous to say that, well, they snuck the body away. So then there's another idea that's been suggested for decades. They used to call it the swoon theory. And that was the idea that, yeah, Jesus was, you know, they beat him, they hung him on the cross, and he was buried, but he wasn't totally dead. I mean, like, totally dead. Just He was dead, but not totally dead. So he was kind of unconscious, and they're like, you know, they didn't have modern, you know, medical equipment to check his, you know, for his heart. So they're just like, I don't know, he looks dead to me. I don't want to get too close. So they wrap him up and dump him in the grave. But the theory goes, three days later, the cool air of the grave kind of revived him. And he's like, oh, wow, that was a rough three days. You know, I'm glad that's over. How in the-? And then... What he'd have to do at that point, he's all wrapped up. So now he's got to figure out how to get out of the grave. Well, there's a stone that's rolled away. So he's like leaning against it, pushing it away. And then he's like, there's soldiers out there. He's all wrapped up. He's sneaking them, you know, get past the soldiers. Then he has to go launder the clothes, bring them back, and put them in there neatly folded in the grave. And it's like, really? That's your alternative theory? That's what you really believe happened? It's preposterous. It's ridiculous. It's easier to believe that Athena burst out of the head of Zeus than to believe something like this. And you think, this is mythology? This is nothing like mythology. It wouldn't make sense. It's virtually impossible. Now, if if that's what you want to believe, that somehow Jesus was able to pull that off um, after being beaten repeatedly, you know, 39 lashes, metal ripping through his body and everything in the middle of Jerusalem. Then he has to carry the cross most of the way for like half a mile up top of the hill. They nail him to the cross and then they shove a sword in his heart and he's bleeding and, and then they say he's dead 
And you want to think that's survivable? Try that. You know, you could prove it pretty easily if you, well, no, because somebody would stop you. But how in the world could something like this happen and he didn't actually die? So the, fa- the very fact, the verifiability, really, of what happened here causes me to look at it and go, wow, I can't think of an alternative story that if I'm going to look at history and I am going to say, how do I explain this event that people call Easter? How do I explain it given the historical evidence that we have, given that the stories don't even make sense? Nobody would have a reason to make up the story because nobody had anything to gain from it. It was, went against everything that people would profit from. And then the story has been believed. So ultimately what I'm left with is, it's true, the Romans killed him. He was buried in a tomb. He was there for three days. He rose from the dead, and he appeared to hundreds of people. It's not like, I mean, there are so many people who died because they wouldn't change their story. Like, they wouldn't go, okay, I I thought I saw him. He wasn't a ghost. When they first saw him, they thought he was a ghost. And he's like, no, no, look, touch me. He's in the same body that he was in. It has the same scars. He goes, put your finger in the holes in my hand. Put your hand in the sword wound in my side. It's really me. A lot of people don't understand that resurrection is not reincarnation. It's not like he came back in some magical new body. No, he's the same guy. And hundreds of people spoke with him, hugged him, touched him, ate with him. They had bread with him. They ate fish with him. And he stuck around and talked to them and taught them for a long time. They knew him. They had lived with him for several years. They understood who he was. And he had, in fact, risen from the dead. And that story is the story of Christianity. This is what Christianity is really all about, is the, this, this historical evidence that says, look, you cannot even come up with a great explanation as to any other way of interpreting the reality of the history, at least I haven't, and people try, I haven't heard of anything that comes close to making, well, yeah, maybe that could be the case. It just doesn't add up. And then throughout history, from the first century on, people, and especially for those several hundred people who had seen him, they were killed because they said they saw him. Now, if they weren't sure that they saw him, or they were just like, you know, I thought we'd play a hoax on people, and this is going to be great. And How many people really want to be famous for being killed because you said that you saw someone after they died, and you touched them, and you talked to them, and they taught you? What could their motivation possibly be? Not just the disciples, but all of the other witnesses. And throughout history still, there are people who will attest to the fact that I believe in the resurrection of Jesus, And I would die rather than deny that awareness 
that connection. That's how important Easter is. Jesus' death is incredibly important. We talked about this on Good Friday. Jesus' death was his final act of being human. And he needed to be human to forgive our sins, to die for our sins. He needed to be human so that he could be our high priest and understand who we are. But the resurrection was something that he did to go watch this. Here's what I am about to do. Now, he, uh, you know, in terms of how important the resurrection is, Paul talks about it and says, you know what, if Jesus didn't rise from the dead, we're pretty pathetic in what we believe. But you had a lot. Now, there are people who would go, you know, he didn't have to actually rise from the dead. It's just a great and inspiring story. And there are a lot of people who call themselves Christians who say, I don't believe he actually rose from the dead, but I think the idea of resurrection is a beautiful idea. Um, Dietrich Bonhoeffer, who wrote The Cost of Discipleship, and he, he was an amazing guy. He ended up being uh, killed for trying to assassinate Hitler during World War II. But Bonhoeffer in The Cost of Discipleship references the resurrection, and then he footnotes it. And in the margins, he said, I don't mean to imply that he ontologically rose from the dead. Now, what that means is, I don't mean he really rose from the dead. I mean that symbolically, in some way, it's like he rose from the dead. The idea is great. But you know what? If Bonhoeffer and so many of the German theologians that said the same thing, no, he didn't really rise, but he just... It's the idea of Easter that's so inspiring. Then every disciple, which all of them but one, John, all died martyrs' deaths. If any one of them had said, look, we understand he didn't really ontologically rise from the dead, but we just think the idea of rising from the dead is something that he embodied. You know what? They wouldn't have been killed. If you were about to get, you know, get martyred, if you're about to be executed because of your belief in the resurrection, which is the reason why people were killed, all you'd have to do is just back off a little bit and go, I don't know really. I mean, I, I'm not sure what I saw. You know, sometimes you think you see something. I, you know, I mean, we all know that today. Somebody dies and they're like, whoa, you thought you saw them. and No problem. In fact, if Jesus had just said, look, I'm saying that I'm going to rise from the dead. I'm saying I'm God. But I don't mean that in an ontological sense. I'm just like, you know, figuratively. Jesus wouldn't have had a problem with the Jewish leaders. They'd be like, okay, people believe all kinds of kooky stuff. We're fine with it. Let it go. As long as you're not saying that this is real. And throughout history, literally millions of people who, if they would have only backed off and said, I'm not sure. I just am in love with the idea of a savior who died and rose. So, I mean, I don't think it actually happened. Their lives would have been saved. But see, this is a truth that draws a line in the sand. Either Jesus rose from the dead or what's the alternative? I don't even have one. I can't look at the scriptures, these ancient documents. I can't even come up with a notion that would make people be willing to die for an idea that they knew was fake. They knew they made it up. 
You know, people die for dumb things all the time. Terrorists do that. Um, those people that thought they were going to jump onto the Hale-Bopp Bop Comet in their Nikes, they did that. It's like, there's always people who believe stupid things. But they aren't people who are going, look, here's the evidence. You could ask the officials. They would tell you they were concerned about this. You went there. Soldiers were guarding the tomb. This wasn't something that, no, this is, this is a ridiculously you know, concrete declaration that you're hard-pressed to even look at it and find a reason to disbelieve it. So most people who don't believe Jesus rose from the dead, they're just like, I don't know. I just think it's mythology. Well, how many people today do you think actually believe in Zeus and Athena? Probably not many. How many people all over the world today on Easter believe that Jesus rose from the dead? There's a lot. Why is that? Because this is, in fact, not mythology at all. This isn't just a story. In fact, if it was a fake story, it wouldn't be that great of a fake story. Somebody puking up their, you know, their, their uh, you know, sons and then them killing them. That's a cool story, right? I mean, so I know for many of you, uh, no. And that's why, again, we don't teach literature anymore. But... <laughs> And it's funny that people are offended by something like that, but they're not offended by some of the nonsense that that we teach in the name of education nowadays. But here it is. I hope if something that has affected this many people, and here it is, Easter, and I understand somebody dragged you and promised to buy you a meal afterwards, but, you know, (laughs) what are you going to do with this? It's evidence. It's profound evidence. And that's why, for me, I'm not like just, oh, I just believe in it in a religious sense. No. It either happened or it didn't happen. And I have tried. I'm always open to be wrong about anything. I've been wrong about enough stuff in my life that right now I don't need to be right. I'm, I'm fine being wrong about stuff. But I've tried to imagine what possible alternative is there to the reality of this story of Jesus rising from the dead, and I cannot even imagine or postulate anything that would provide a, a feasible explanation in any other way of how do you explain this story? And a part of it is these verses that we looked at this morning. It's like, who would even make up a story like that? That's so easily verifiable. Either there were soldiers there or there weren't. Either the Romans and the Jews were worried about resurrection or they weren't. The disciples weren't worried about resurrection and they're the ones that found And they wrote the story. Matthew wrote the story and it was obvious that he didn't believe Jesus was going to rise from the dead until he shows up in chapter 28. And they're like, whoa, what a surprise. So how do you explain that? I can't. I really can't. I don't know how someone could really think of themselves as being open-minded and look at this story and go, well, I don't know, I'll figure out something. How did Easter become Easter? I know people love chocolate, but beyond that and marshmallows and whatever. But no, we still celebrate something because we believe that it's real. This is not mythology. This is a real story. And if it is, even if you listen and you're going... 
you know, you made me think about it a little. I need to rethink this. And maybe there's a 5% chance, say, that this actually happened, that Jesus really came back from the dead. Then what are you going to do with that? The good thing is, Jesus doesn't ask us to just totally 100% believe in him. All he wants is for you to open the door. Just answer the call. Give him an opportunity. I can tell you, many of you have heard me tell the story. When I got saved, it wasn't like, wow, I know the truth. For me, I just said, God, if you really are real, I'm not going to do anything differently, but if you will just, I give you permission that if you want to come and do something in my life, then I'll sincerely let you do it. And for me, that's all it took. I wasn't like, I had more questions than answers. I honestly, after all these years, I still have tons of questions. There's a lot in the Bible. As much as I read the Bible, there are things in here I'm just not sure of. I don't know how, I don't know what it means or how it's to be interpreted, but I've got this. God is real. Jesus loves you. He's proven it to me, but he proved it historically by the link that he went to to create what we call Easter, to make it possible for you to have a new life. And if you've never allowed him, if you've never given him the permission to actually interact with you further, then I pray that today on this Easter, you would be open to just the slight possibility that this might be a true story. You can already see, it's, it's hard to disprove, it's hard to even imagine what somebody's motive was at that time. To sell books a thousand, two thousand years later, that doesn't work. So, will you open your heart is my real question. And you know, you don't, after the service, we have people down here who pray for people in front, but I'm not asking you to get up and make a big deal. I'm not saying you're, you're in or you're out now, you leave that door, you're going right to hell out. No, I'm just going, it's Easter. Can you be open to the possibility that something new has happened in your heart today? And will you just tell Jesus, okay, I don't have answers against all of this, so I'll give you permission. Well, if you want to do something, fine. Nothing else works, nothing else matters. I pray that you would do that, make that decision today, and then... Easter will become very, very real to you. You'll find out. He he is still alive. It's important, too, because life is difficult. The truth is, when I understand what his death and resurrection is, it changes my whole perspective on my death and resurrection. I know. Yeah, that's Jesus. He's calling for you. (laughs) No, you know, I know I'm going to die someday. Now, you know, I I could also say, but of course, I hope that he takes me in the rapture before I die. Except, I thought the rapture was coming in 1980. (laughs) But Peter tells us the reason why he's waiting is because God loves more people than you thought he did. He isn't willing that any should perish, but that all should come to repentance. So any of you that accepted the Lord after 1980, thanks a lot. But... (laughs) In the meantime, I'm looking at the odds. I'm probably going to die. Do I want to die? No. Would I take my own life? No. If I start totally losing it, I may just ride my motorcycle a lot more. But 
spend a lot of time on Ortega. But ultimately, it's like, because Easter's real, I'm not worried about dying. I don't have to. Jesus, as he told his friends at Lazarus' funeral, he goes, look, I am the resurrection and the life. Whoever lives and believes in me, even if he dies, he still lives. And whoever lives and believes in me will never die. It only looks like death. It isn't. Easter gives me that guarantee. And every Easter, I think of people that I've, quote, lost. And I've had a lot of dear friends that have gone to be with the Lord in the last year. But Easter reminds me, I didn't lose them. I know right where they are. I know that Jesus said, watch this. And he died. And then he came back and goes, see? It's nothing. It's nothing to worry about at all. So believe in me. And all I'm asking you is to consider believing in him. I promise you, you do not have a better option. There's no other philosophy. There's no other religion that can make the kind of promises without you having to do anything than the claims of the Christ of Easter. And I pray that you'll come to know him today if you haven't. Let's pray. Lord, thank you that you didn't just tell us some mythological story. You included all these details, meticulous details, that you were already proving this long before we were ever born. Because you wanted people to understand the simple truth that you are the resurrection and the life. Lord, if there's somebody here today who has just been closed to this, the possibility that this might be real, I pray that they'll just crack their, the door of their heart open just slightly and just say, okay, maybe 1% I'm open to allowing you to work in my life. And Lord, if they can give you that much, overwhelm them with reality, with love, with the power of who you are. I thank you that because of Easter and all of its evidence, that we don't have to fear death, that, that we don't mourn as those who have no hope when people who we love move into their Easter. But thanks for making this so clear that someone who rejects you has to do it very, very intentionally against every bit of common sense that they could possibly have. Because I know how much you love them. Please help them to know that you care and that you're always there waiting for them to receive the God of Easter. Thank you, Lord, for what you've done in Jesus' name.